This is the podcast for Friday, May 6, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the outer narthex of the Fox and Friends School of Theology, it's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. To hear the um, moment of zen yet from last night's... I haven't heard anything. Oh. I haven't heard anything. I'm, I'm back in the workplace, Blue Gal. I know. You're, you're very, very busy. We're weeks are very full. Temporarily but, back in the workplace, and I still have no cable at the castle. So, Well, um, the um, last night's <laughs> moment of zen was the Fox and Friends team yes. talking about Gretchen Carlson defends the decision to bury Osama bin Laden's body in accordance with Muslim custom. And, you know, Steve, Steve Ducey said that I don't think Osama bin Laden lived the life of a good Muslim. <laughs> and then Her Holiness Gretchen Carlson said, Well, neither do a lot of Christians, but they get to go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> this is what, what, this is the problem with people, with double wides, you know, double wide <laughs> dwellers from Sister Fuck Arkansas. They watch this stuff and they listen to people speaking in simple, declarative, wrong, stupid sentences. Mm-hmm. And these people walk out of their trailer into the bright Arkansas sunlight and think they know what the fuck they're talking about. Because I remember – I don't know you do, Blue Gal. I remember how literally overnight every clown from south of the Mason-Dixon line overnight became an expert in in Islamic society. Oh, yeah, and and – Sharia and had, law, and had and had real clear opinions about how everything should be done, and re, I knew exactly, and they were all wrong about virtually everything, and they, as they always are. But they were absolutely certain, and I'm like, dude, you haven't been 20 miles away from your fucking outhouse in your entire life, and suddenly you're an expert on the nuances between Shia and Sunni, uh, which which ain't, ain't really nothing. And, and you can just hear Bill Crystal coming, you know, barfing out of this guy's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know about there ain't no such thing. There's no and, difference, right? Which is totally yeah. bogus. Yeah, but it's but you know we've had years of these you know meat sticks mm-hmm. just running to the popsicle stand at the, at the Fox News station, picking up a brand new fresh load of opinions every day, and then running back and, and yelling them as if they were their own opinions. A and B, they meant anything. They were factually correct at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's just you know I've had it. I I don't but, but, I don't but drift class. I don't give a shit what Drift these class. people think Drift about class. anything. Drift class. Drift class. Yes, yes, yes. The yes, Dalai Lama has suggested that Osama's death was justified. Well. <laughs> well. And I love what William K. Wolfram, which I have a couple quotes from him tonight. He, he said, Ah, only through love can we find tranquility to enjoy the image of Bin Laden taking a bullet in the fucking eye. That's what the Dalai Lama would say. I, I can definitely see the Dalai Lama saying, you know, there are very few absolutes in the Buddhist faith. A world with one less evil motherfucker in it is a better world. Mm-hmm. And it just is. I made the mistake of wandering over to the, you know, a couple of sites where they're, you know, impeach the Kenyan usurper and how do you know for sure? And, you know, I, I'm very glad that these guys are, are all bundled together nicely and, and their labels are on them and we can identify them at a great distance. But, if you can't get behind this, mm-hmm. if you can't just say, you know what, I didn't vote for the guy, but he did the right thing and he mm-hmm. did it in a very 
in, in, in a way I would have done if I were a better person, I were president for five minutes. This is exactly what I would have. If you can't bring yourself to say that, you're a dead loss. And we can't, we, you know, can't argue. have a conversation. You've said that many no. times. You know, this is as big and as disastrous and as overhanging and as, uh, and as ruinous to our country as anything China's done or any terrorist attack. Um, the fact that one of our two major political parties is completely rotten and psychotic. Well, and, and took advantage. Their leadership took advantage of 9-11 in a very evil way and changed America because we let them. Yeah, well, we didn't and let the, them. Well, but we, we as, as Americans let did. them. Yes, we let, let them, them do it. There's the wonderful quote from Molly Ivins talking about the kid. It was like a chicken snake or something. It, it was a good Texas expression. But, you know, scaring yourself so bad you hurt yourself. And there's something to, and we we scared ourselves so bad we we did permanent damage to this country. And we've we've said on the left that it'll take a generation to clean up the mess they left mm-hmm. behind, as in bad science fiction, <laughs> where the past is suddenly gone. There are no old cars or old buildings around. The one thing we we I, I know I never calculated was at the end of the Bush administration that so many people on the right would would st- would be would be hanging on like grim death. To their completely failed dead ender yeah. ideology, and would would rather see the country burn to the ground than than give an inch. Well, and I wonder I if that isn't why Gerald Ford sort of whitewashed everything as quickly as possible. With Nixon, you mean? With Nixon, because no one was ever going to apologize for voting for him mm-hmm. in the largest landslide in history mm-hmm. in seventy two. That's absolutely true, Blue Gal. And 18 months later, it's obvious that everyone made a mistake that voted for him. Mm-hmm. And so, whoosh. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we haven't, we didn't get that kind of sort of Soviet style cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, With Bush. We look- because, you know, if Bush had stepped down, it would have been Cheney. And right. that, that's worse, and everybody knew it, you know. That's why Kucinich went after Cheney first. You, you actually, you bring up a good point, which is two, two of the most overused words in our language, in our political dialogue, are national dialogue. Mm-hmm. We don't have national dialogues. We always well, talk and the about American having- people, we talk about that too, and there's no such thing. I mean, we don't have, we never have, we don't. Go back over the the large, the, you know, the the thing that settled slavery was, as I've said a million times before, union bayonets, not a national conversation. The thing that settled civil rights was the national fucking guard. You know, this segues so nicely mm-hmm. into discussing the interview we did two nights ago. Doesn't it though? With our friend Matt Filipovich. Yeah, was it two nights ago already? It was. Oh, it seems like a month ago. And. Matt, it, it's going to air tomorrow on his which is, podcast. Which is yesterday. Which is yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tomorrow is yesterday. Thursday, May 5th. Uh-huh. The Matt Filipovich Show, which is on iTunes and at his website, MatthewF.net. And he has an interview with us, which yes. turned into something I, I don't think any of us expected it to turn into. Because the lights got kind of low. We were all a little drunk. <laughs> You kept yeah. saying, don't make this weird. It was his first three-way, he said. Yeah. I think I creeped him out a little bit, which is good. He's a good young guy. He's, yeah. he's I don't know how man. old he is, but he's younger than yeah. we are. And he's yeah. he's getting married also to a lovely woman named Kate, uh-huh. who is Kate. a theology student who knits. 
I mean, yeah. it's perfect. It's just yeah. so perfect. Anyway, we were on his show, and you can go listen to it again at MatthewF.net. But we had planned to talk about one thing, and then the conversation just went along the lines of Matt wanting to talk about how we have to challenge Obama. Yes. Uh, and I, I think he was... He wasn't necessarily saying, I don't want to put words in his mouth, and you can go listen to the interview, but he wasn't necessarily saying we have to challenge him with a primary challenger, but he was saying we have to do more to push him to the left than we're doing. Yeah. How do we hold him accountable? Yeah. And how do we move him in the how direction? Do we, and how do we move him accountable without a primary challenger? Right. And I've had, we've had a couple of emails from listeners this past week as well saying – you know, what would it take to get Bernie Sanders to primary Obama? Or what would it take to get Russ Feingold to and primary the is Obama? And a, sci- a science fiction author and an alternate universe. <laughs> well, that and also, I just kept thinking, you know, there is no white knight to rescue you. I'm, and not to be insulting to our listeners who wrote in, because I I see their point. I really do, and I see Matt's point. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not trying to be insulting at all. To That's my job. <laughs> to what? No, it's don't take, not. Don't take another, another, don't take good, another American good American job, job and, and ship it overseas there, Blue you Gal. My job that. is to be you always say that. <laughs> abrasive and insulting. Yeah, We do see our listeners and the people who write into us their point of view, their disappointment and their desire to challenge or their desire to, to hold accountable. However, However, we're working for something longer than one presidency. Exactly. Four years or eight years, doesn't matter. And and actually, Rachel Maddow has said this many times over the past few weeks about, isn't it interesting that Wisconsin and these Social Security and Medicare challenges to congressmen are bottom-up movements, that it's not, it's not a Senator Feingold or a Senator Sanders who's leading the charge right. in recalling Wisconsin Republicans. No. It's voters. It's not primary challengers to Republican House members that are going to these town hall meetings mm-hmm. and saying, you know, let's rally the troops for for Medicare. There doesn't there is no one voice leading the charge. In, I mean, there's the the Democratic Progress, Progressive Caucus that's doing mm-hmm. the people's budget. Yes, but this is a bottom up movement, and it's going to continue to be one if it's going <laughs> to if it's going to make any difference. In my personal opinion. Yeah, and we've been losing ground for a long time. A long time. And part yeah. of the reason I think we've been losing ground is we seem, first of all, we as liberals have too many voices, which is not a bad thing. But as you said, you know, we've said the past two podcasts, having five catchphrases to just hammer the opponent with uh-huh. seems to appeal to a large swath of mm-hmm. double-wide trailer dwellers and <laughs> and others. And, and answering them with a thesis statement yeah. on the marginal tax rates. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> no. You know, and, and again, this is not uh, the, we're not we we all you almost never hear us talk about the moral value of a liberal position mm-hmm. relative moral because we we agree with most of them. I I know I do. There's some of them I think are nuts, but by and large, I'm a I'm a liberal and, and always have been. Uh, the utility of those arguments. How you frame them, how you pitch them. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, there there have been liberal organizations I have quit 
I have yep. walked Me away too. from because I couldn't stand the parliamentary, you mm-hmm. know, purity test, yep. circle jerk bullshit. And at least in one case, the, the, the organization was really brought to heel, brought down by someone who just came in, gathered a few nut jobs around him and just bulldozed his way through the organization because mm-hmm. the rest of, the, of my liberal brethren couldn't mount a fight. Yeah. They didn't know how to, you know, to, they didn't know how to fight. They knew how to argue and debate and, and Marquita Queensbury rules and, yeah. but they didn't know how to fucking street fight. And this guy just gutted the place. Yep. I don't know what happened to him. It was quite a long time ago. I think they've recovered nicely. But, I, you know, when I see my side is, it's not that they're losing. I'll, I'll, I'll take your side. You're losing. I'll, if I think you're, you're right, I'll take your side. But if I see my side incapable of fighting mm-hmm. and just, Lost in a, uh, <laughs> you know, a, well, that, a, welt, let me a welter you of self righteousness. Yeah. And say that this was one of the things that I really liked about our conversation with Matt. Yeah. Which was never at any time did we say, well, you're just a, a young punk who who's no. going to set fire to the place. And never once did he say to us, you're old farts who don't want to fight. Right. We both realize that we're on the same side, mm-hmm. and it was a and really good conversation. It really was, and I, I want to. Um, I, I did feel a little bit pushed. I, I said this a couple times during the interview, pushed into defending Obama, and that wasn't the position that I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, and, and let's let's talk a little more about how. First of all, how we liberals talk to each other. Uh Um, And I want to read a a couple paragraphs from one of our listeners, Christopher, Uh who wrote in to say, Is it possible the last month or two, the two podcasters on the professional left, I think he's talking about us, Jiminy Christmas, Christopher. Have have gotten a bit too agreeable. Fuck you, Christopher. Fuck Fuck you, you, Christopher. Fuck you, Christopher. Christopher is a good guy. He no, he's is. not. He's a fucking. I'm sorry. I wanted an argument. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you did. <laughs> All right. Let me finish this little <laughs> paragraph here. Uh-huh. Your conversation flows as well or better than it ever has, but something seems to be missing. Far be it from me to suggest let's you and him fight. But conversations where both sides are on exactly the same frequency, amplitude, and phase on everything uh-huh. tend to be just a bit gasp. Boring. Yes. And you need at least two different frequencies to get harmony. Yeah. One one of the things I think Christopher is actually missing is the tension that existed in the podcast when you and I were not um, publicizing our personal relationship. That's right. And I think, too, that perhaps we've gotten a little bit too domestic in our conversations and uh, we need to be the professional left, not talk about laundry folding. But uh, I like I like talking about laundry folding, oh. and I, I you know what <laughs> I really you know fuck I, you, Driftglass. I don't want to talk about laundry folding anymore. Well, see, we talk about laundry folding as a metaphor. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a metaphor for the for the creative tension and energy that we put into normal domestic tasks in order to mask the fact of our great anger with the zeitgeist of our times. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. I, get, I used to get paid a lot of money to talk that way in class. <laughs> well, not a lot of money. I was a teacher, so you don't get paid a lot of money. But there is a certain 
intersection of our normal domestic lives with the issues that we have, and that's just going to continue being true. That being said... Yeah. Well, I wanted to say that, speaking of academia, that in my freshman humanities seminar, I wrote a paper about Agamemnon uh-huh. in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And I entitled it, Who Killed Agamemnon? And went through, with each paragraph of my paper, bringing up a different person in the story. Did you mention Nice Guy Eddie? Many of whom had absolutely nothing to do with killing Agamemnon. Mm-hmm. But I wound up threading it so that you know society was to blame, so, so oh. to speak. Wow. (laughs) I got an A. Um, But I think when we ask the question to support or not support Obama or to challenge or not to challenge Obama, Mm -hmm. and the question is like, can we get along as liberals? What Mm -hmm. we're really saying is let's explore all of this and figure out what works Uh rather than engaging in some sort of dialectic. Is Is that the appropriate Academic word to use. <laughs> sure. Well, or or uh, if you if, when in doubt, just throw pedagogy in there. Yeah, that's a good random, one. Random intervals because it makes you sound like trope. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, trope. Trope. It's a good one. Yeah. You got that'll, your trope. That'll get you, that'll get you a B plus just about anywhere. Anyway, no, just that this is a springboard for it. Look at listen to us. We're so full of yeah. shit. <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> But proceed as if we were. Proceed as if we're not. Yeah. We should have tenure for this, though, Driftwood. Really? What if I said I have fucking tenure? Let me tell you. But, you know, this is Springboard for, for a conversation about how to be effective. Yes. And we want to do that. Yes. Um, and, and so our conversation with Matt, I think, in part, was generationally tinged in terms of Matt wanting to push in different ways than we do. Yeah, is that would that is that fair? I think no. I and believe me, I I, I, for, I had a I had a great time talking with you and Matt because we we were three very different people and we had mm-hmm. three very different takes on almost everything. Mm-hmm. And our you know our debating society kept shifting around mm-hmm. because we we each hold slightly different positions or have different um, emphases on what we think you know when to when to fight when to stop and so yeah. forth and. This is not a science fiction joke, but it is. It, let me refer to a little bit to sort of how to write a good story. Every word you choose and every sentence you have has to carry a certain amount of weight, has to pull the plow, as they say. And if you if if you overwrite, you sink into the mud. Mm-hmm. And if you underwrite, it's you, you move past Raymond Carver and, and Ernest Hemingway territory, and it becomes unreadable. You know, it becomes just gibberish. There's a there's a, a perfect balance of plot and narrative um, <clears throat> and forward motion that good writers find to move the fucking plot along. And we as liberals, we want to move the plot forward. Yep. Some of us, in my opinion, overwrite. We, we, I, you don't know, if think, you're not with- I think that some of us don't want to move the plot forward well, I, because I, I it think feels right. so damn righteous to uh, continue it, to stir it a, a teacher, A teacher of mine – once you know, took a, a story of mine I submitted. It was a long time ago. And essentially destroyed it. Very in a very nice way in front of me because she said it was a diorama. Mm. It wasn't going anywhere. It's a beautiful scene you've set, but it's not going anywhere. There's no tension. There's no resolution. The characters don't do anything. It's beautifully written, but it doesn't go anywhere. And that I think is is part of the preciousness 
of some people on our side. They want to be righteous. They want to be right. They want to be pure. And they don't want to get themselves dirty right. with, the, with the ugliness of political compromise. And then you have the people who are nothing but political compromise who look down the nose at anybody who comes to the table with a genuine belief in the righteousness of their cause. And I would suggest, you know, I know people who work for the public benefit. Uh, government employees, people who work for government, people who work in not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. And if you want to cure yourself of this sort of, you know, either uh, pure cynicism on one end or preciousness and purity on the other, go talk to a handful of those people. Mm-hmm. There's a guarantee if four out of six of them are going to be basically really good people who are in their jobs for pretty much the right reasons, working on a cause you probably will find admirable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, working with poor people, working with prisoners, working with the sick, teaching children, people who live their principles every day and say fuck a lot and are very frustrated with the bureaucracy and are sick and tired of having to fill out forms and so on, and then get up and go do it the next day. Yep. And they probably helps. started out as earnest college students wanting yes. to change the world. Absolutely. And went and got Absolutely. their... Masters in social work or their, you know, masters in social work development or whatever it is that it took Mm -hmm. to actually try to go out and make a difference. Yeah. These are those, these are those evil government employees who don't work real jobs that you hear a lot about on the right. And they're, they're doing, you know, I mean, I can, I could read off a hundred job descriptions and tell you a dozen stories. But the point is those people, that's the kind of balance I'm talking about that, you know, that yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's imperfect. Yes, you know, you run the constant danger of, of compromising away something vital and then you lose your soul. But you have to, you know, you have to break glass in case of emergency and get the hell out of the box because it is an emergency and we need you in the fight. And you can't stand on the sidelines and fold your arms and go tisk, tisk, tisk. Yep. Everyone is so awful. Barack Obama and George Bush are just the same person. Yeah, right. You know what? They're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're different. The president of the United States has disappointed the shit out of me yep. on many occasions. He's also made me proud on many occasions. Mm-hmm. If you can't handle that reality, go do something else for a while. Yep. Do, if you demand perfection in the most imperfect field in the world, which is human nature and politics, yeah. you, you're not built for this game. Well, and what's going to happen then? Let me put it away that someone on Twitter did that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to sacrifice the White House and give it to Michelle Bachman so that you have four years to work on building a really progressive movement? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, there's the question. Are you willing to give it to Michelle Bach, give the White House to Michelle Bachman, because then you'll have all this time and energy and somebody to hate, uh-huh. which is really easy. I've said that many times. Blogging was mm-hmm. easy for a lot of people under Bush, because all you had to do is say, fuck Bush, you know, and done. and not have to think. And you're done. And you're mm-hmm. right, and you have a thousand people agreeing with you. Yep. And now it's hard. And you have to govern. And we have, and you have to govern, and you have to govern world. with somebody who, frankly, has compromised his own positions mm-hmm. and things that we voted him to do. Yep. You know that we elected him to do, and uh, it is disappointing. And he has and let us down. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm not saying he hasn't. And will but again. I'm not going to give the White House to Tim Pawlenty. I'm not. Well, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. You're time traveling one minute per minute into the future, anyway. Mm-hmm. Don't spoil it by listening to cynics, and you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll get there eventually. You'll you'll get yeah. to be a, a bitter old cynic eventually if you really if you're heading in that direction. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. So you know, I don't want to dump buzzkill on this. You don't want person. to. You don't want to pee in anybody's punch bowl. No, no, no I don't. Um, but you know, what are you going to do when Barack Obama breaks your heart? Yeah. Because he will. Yeah. So what do you do then? The day after. Well, and you what wake are you going to do if? What are you going to do when Bernie Sanders breaks your heart? <clears throat> yep. What are you going to do when Russ Feingold breaks your heart? Let's uh-huh. put it that way. Uh huh. Because they will. And now, of course, and they they're will. human beings. That's mm-hmm. and that's all they. The idea that there is a savior out there who's a true progressive. Who will do everything right if we only put him in power? You know, Blue Gal, if we were, if we were honest, and let's, for God's sakes, not be honest, <laughs> part of the mythology, part of what, what really illuminates the Kennedy mythology yeah. is that John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy were respectively not in office long enough and not in office at all to break liberal hearts. Yep. They weren't there long enough to disappoint you in really fundamental yep. ways. Yep. And they would have. Eventually they would have mm-hmm. because they're human beings and they yep. had to make compromises in an imperfect world. And you have to be kind of a warped fucker to be in politics anyway. Well, and, and you know, looking back at the documentation, <clears throat> Kennedy was slow on civil rights. Yeah. And he, he was really- into spying on people domestically. <laughs> and he wasn't yeah. – there were things about him that – in the end, would have broken our hearts, but as, yeah. but you know, being assassinated made a difference in terms of our sympathies for him. Of course, it mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. That's and, only and he, li- that's that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, that's who we are, and yeah. we can we can project into the non-presidency, the alternate universe presidency of Bobby Kennedy. Every great thing we ever thought would be possible. And he might have done many of those things. I'm not saying he wouldn't have at all. I'm saying that he would have grown old. He would have made mistakes. He would have disappointed us. And at some point we would have said, you know, we would have just gone, oh, this again? This old fuck? Really? He did that? He, you know, and it, it's simply inevitable. But the cause, you know, what Ted Kennedy says, well, the, the cause continues. Yes. You know, that goes on. And I, for one, I'm not willing. I know people who are perfectly willing to sacrifice the White House for Michelle Bachman because they're those sort of old school crash the system and then yeah. and replace it, you know, with, with an agrarian, perfect agrarian paradise. Yes. Bullshit. That, you know, of course, you you know, you might have to, a few million people might have to die, but you, you no, I'm not willing, me personally, not willing to do that. No, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm not willing to crash the system so you can institute your utopian ideas. Once things get bad enough, the masses will rise up and blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. The masses never rise up. That never happens. What happens is a whole lot of people suffer. People with a lot of money and power consolidate during that period. They <laughs> create private armies and they become more powerful and you end up with less power and bad people have more power because they're ready for disaster and you're not. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not willing to do that. I kind of like this democracy thing. But then to, <laughs> to end this conversation, yeah. how yeah. do we push Barack Obama to the left? Mm-hmm. And well, I think what we've settled on, at least one of the things we pointed out, is that Barack Obama is one branch of government. Yeah. We need to give him a liberal Congress. Mm-hmm. 
And if we can't get a liberal Congress next time around, where do congressmen come from? They usually arise from a, lo- a bunch of local elected officials, one of whom decides to run for the, the House or the Senate. Senate. Yeah, the state uh-huh. Senate or the so state So we need House. to give them a – so – and oh, golly, it gets back to local action. Mm-hmm. It gets you know, back it gets, to blue America. It mm-hmm. gets back to making a difference with congressional campaigns and, and, and go local as well. Absolutely. And yeah. the people – you know, the, the right did not go after the White House first. It went after yep. the White House, but it also went after PTA. Yep. Local school councils, local zoning smart. councils. Yeah. yeah, they were patient, and you know we we need to be that morally convinced of the righteousness of our cause and that patient, mm-hmm. and that willing to put up with disappointment and smile and get up the next day. And I think for the most part we are, but you know every now and then we either need to take a break, take a time out, have a tantrum. Lord knows I have to have a tantrum every now and then, and get back in the fight. Yep. On that note, we want to thank our listeners. You guys are great. We've had a a lot of uh, good emails and a couple of contributions via snail mail. Thank you very much. Glad to have you on board. You can uh, contribute to our podcasting efforts at professionalleft.blogspot.com. We have a button there and also a P.O. Box address where you can send a contribution. We went through the numbers, Drift Glass. Together on our uh, fundraising for our trip to Netroots Nation, we did. We busted out the big abacus, blue gal. And yeah, we uh, we have covered the cost of attending the convention, covered the cost of hotel, um, covered some of the cost of meals, and now we're looking for gas money. <laughs> pretty much, uh, it is the. Here are the numbers for you, numbers geeks. It is one thousand fifty-six miles round trip. Uh, to and from Minneapolis, from the cornfield where I live. Uh, the 2004 Kia Sedona minivan with the hippie bumper stickers gets about 21 miles per gallon on the highway. Mm-hmm. And so we need 50 gallons of gas to get there and get home. Uh-huh. And uh, so what we would like to ask our listeners to do is give us a gallon of gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can give that in the form of a four or five dollar contribution to our podcast we'd really appreciate it mm-hmm. and that's not cheap gas either blue gal the good <laughs> gas the good ethanol gas the good uh <laughs> the cornfield has Formula a lot one. of ethanol gas down here let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you it's hard to find otherwise find it otherwise but yeah um and we're very grateful to you for your help and helping us get there we'll be driving up there with three kids and giving the kids to their dad up in minneapolis so it's going to be an interesting trip well, they're very good travelers but we'll have three kids in the car going up at our website professionalleft.blogspot.com you can listen to past episodes for free with no downloads and no registration people like to do that at work We are also on iTunes, and we love our iTunes listeners. If you're listening on iTunes, please feel free to rate and review our podcast. That helps us out. Finally, we have an email address. Our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. We received a number of emails this week with uh, very good suggestions for the it is immoral that or Mm -hmm. it is cowardly that. Uh-huh. Uh, my personal favorite was, uh, it is immoral to be a war profiteer. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. We're very grateful to you, and we love hearing from you. So how are the Internet Kitties doing tonight, Drift Glass? The Internet Kitties say, hey, who's talking about pussyfooting? Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. 
Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2011, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. Agamemnon is a fictional starship in the science fiction series Babylon 5. Everybody yeah. take a drink. <laughs> F- fuck you, everybody knows that. <laughs> Jesus. With Bruce Boxleitner as the uh, captain, I believe. How do I not know that?